Well, good morning. How you guys doing? God's good, isn't he? Come on, give the Lord a shout one more time. Amen. He's so good. Well, I want to welcome you here to Cornerstone Church. My name is Sean F. I'm the lead pastor here. We're glad you're here today. We have a special for you today. Today is what we're calling Mission Sunday. We're going to show you some things that have been going around the world that a lot of you probably don't know Cornerstone's been involved with throughout the years and even this year. And so um, we're going to actually be Skyping a couple of our missionaries today. And um, you're going to see live, hopefully. You know how that, right, Jonathan? Thank you, Jonathan. That's a thumbs up, right? Or yeah. And um, but the person who's going to take us through this journey is one of is our missions pastor, Pastor Luke Nettleton. Let's give him a hand, okay? Amen. Why? If you guys have spent very much time around me or any time at all, you guys know that I just absolutely love missions, don't you? I mean, I hope that's the impression that you get. Well, you look like Jesus. Well, if I, can, if I can do more than just look like him, I'll be a success. If I can act like him as well, that's my goal. You know, but uh, missions is something that has been a part of my life, well, for as, just about as long as I can remember, really. Even, even during times where I wasn't necessarily living for the Lord or living right or anything like that. For some reason, God always used missions as an influence in my life, whether it you know, was uh, kind of like bait for me or whether it was uh, a way to produce zeal. Whatever it was, missions was really uh, intricate. It was an important part of my life. I can remember being a little kid and uh, missionaries coming through our home. My mom and dad were Christians. You know, they were, uh, still are, you know, a, a uh, integral part of the local body. And they saw a relevance for them within missions, within what the Bible talks about missions and outreach and spreading the gospel. They saw the importance of how God had changed their lives so radically that they knew that they had to provide that avenue for somebody else. And so there was missionaries that, you know, my mom and dad would get to know uh, through the local church at that time. And, and my mom and dad, even though they weren't on the mission field, mom and dad didn't move me and, and Zach and my brother John and Amy, and sister Amy, sorry. <laughs> they didn't move us all to uh, Russia or, or China or Timbuktu or wherever, but they were still very much involved in the intricacies of what it takes to, to have missions be successful. And these missionaries would come through our church, and I remember it because it was, it was the funnest days for me at, at church. It really was, because the missionary would come to town, and he would bring this great big old huge slide projector, and he'd carry it up on the stage and kind of plop it down, you know, and, and plug it in, and and then uh, they'd take this big, those big carousels, you remember, with slides in them. You know, they'd lock them in place and all this kind of stuff. And inevitably, you know, they'd slide it, you know, click, click, you know, and then there would be some blank slides up there. Well, sorry, guys, you know, and just that kind of thing. The typical Mission Sunday, you know. And I just loved it because I could see from where I sat in the, in the service, I could see what was going on with, throughout the world in relation to 
the Bible stories that I would learn about in children's church. Because I would, I would learn all these Bible stories, you know, David fighting Goliath and Noah's Ark and just all these different things that you, you know, you kind of quote the scripture and learn the Bible story so you can win the candy bar. But then all of a sudden that stuff came alive to me through missions. Because I could see people, these missionaries that would, would believe what they were taught and believe what the Bible said so radically that they jumped up and did something about it. And it just, it, it, it was awesome to me. It was inspiring. It was like watching a, the, the greatest action movie in the world, those Mission Sundays. And I remember people like Walter Fleming come to, coming to uh, my church, you know, when I was little. And Walter is still somebody that we support here out of Cornerstone, still involved in missions to this day. And I remember, I'll never forget, you know, I was probably about five or six years old when he gave me my first invitation to go to missions, to go to a missions trip with him. He wasn't worried about whether I was prepared or not. He wasn't. I mean, think about it. He, he could care less how old I was. But he knew that if I had the gospel within me, that gospel itself was of such a value, such an importance, that it, couldn't, it wouldn't do it justice just to say, it's just for me. It's going to stay inside of Luke for the rest of his life, and that's it. But the gospel itself is something that produces. It produces more and more and more compoundly all throughout history, does it not? Is that not why we are here? And so he would give me the invitation, even when I was only five years old, Luke, when are you going to go to Mexico with me? Stuff like that. And though it may, may have been 20 years later, nonetheless, I ended up doing it. And the whole point, and me, you know, the thought behind that is not geographically where we're at. But the thing I'm, I'm wanting to talk about today is what's going on in our heart. Where's our heart in relation to the gospel? Where's our heart in relation to the calling of God upon our lives? Where is our heart in relation to the local church? For some reason, you're here. For some reason, in God's infinite wisdom, which He doesn't make mistakes from the Bible that I read, you're here. And you're being a part of something that is greater than any one of ourselves. There's no way that we could do the things that we do if it was just me, or just Pastor Sean, or just any one person. But for some reason, God has brought us all together for something that's greater than ourselves, to carry out the gospel, an avenue, a vehicle for the gospel, not only to Blue Springs, but to out, through, all throughout the world. That's the God that we serve. Isn't that awesome? You know, um, when, when I say missions, what's the first scripture that comes to your mind? The Great Commission, what we call the Great Commission, right? Matthew 28, 19 and 20, it says, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Who's he saying that to? That was Jesus talking. That took place after he died on the cross, and then he rose again, and he met with the disciples. And he was talking directly to the disciples. And who are the disciples? They're kind of like, if you want to call them, like the forefathers of the church. 
They were the first original leaders of the church. They were the pastors. And so God, in essence, was saying this to the church. This is your commissioning. That's why we call it the Great Commission. For the next however many years until I return, this is what you're going to be up to right here. Going into all the nations, preaching, baptizing. And I'm going to be with you all the way to the end. That's what he says to us. And everything that we do in church, everything that we do in life, everything that we do within our jobs, everything we do, everything we exist in, is all got to be spun around that central hub of spreading the gospel. The gospel is the source of it all, is it not? That's the one great thing about the religion that we are involved in, is Jesus Christ, the story of Jesus Christ. It's got to be central focus of all of it, right? And that's what it is that we're trying to carry all throughout this world. Before I get too far involved and too worked up about all that, I do, I do want to update you guys and show you guys some of the stuff that's been going on um, within missions and uh, with some of our missionaries. This last week, I had the privilege again to go back down to Haiti uh, I visited with Pastor Marcel, and uh, they're, just, they're just continuing to do well. They're continuing in spite of circumstances, in spite of what the world says should be going on, or in spite of what even tropical storms may say should happen, or anything like that. They're doing well because the gospel is their central focus. And they're able to, through the gospel, help feed people, help minister to people, give water to people. I, it just goes on and on and on. I could spend just this, just this time alone on just what's going on in Haiti. But anyway, he, he uh, recorded a greeting. He just wanted to say hello to you guys. So I'm going to play that right now real quick. Hi, everybody. I just want to greet you in the name of Jesus. Uh, we just want you to know uh, what God is doing in the country of Haiti. Um, 35 years ago, the Lord gave us the vision to start that ministry. Uh, it looked like a light passing the darkness to see the darkness of Haiti, see the light of Jesus Christ. And not only Haiti right now, we, the vision is just keep exploding. We want to see the world change. Because when God does something, it's for everybody. You know? So we just bless the Lord for the uh, cornerstone uh, pastor and all the board member and then uh, all the members of the church of cornerstone. We thank you very much for being a part of this ministry of what God is doing among, among the nation of Haiti. So. That's, uh, that's Pastor Marcel. He's been a pastor down there for years and years. He's a great man. And believe it or not, that was the quietest area in Port-au-Prince that I could find to film. <laughs> So if you ever go to Port-au-Prince, just bring some earplugs. Uh, 
But uh, anyway, what's going on down there is just, is just fantastic. I can't say enough good things about it. I mean, God is really working. The, 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 the cool thing about missions, no matter, no matter where we go geographically, we still serve the same one true God. And that same one true God still loves all the people, still wants to save all the people, and he wants to do everything and guide us through this life in order to aim towards heaven as our goal. Amen? John, how are we with Skype? Who we got first? John Karen. John All right. John, can you hear me, buddy? Yes, sir. Can you hear me? Ah, yeah, man. How are you doing today, dude? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. <laughs> I don't know. Did you just see that? I almost fell off the stage. Uh-huh. Yeah, I saw that. I was proud of you. Oh, well. <laughs> I re- quite I re- impressive. I recovered well. Yeah, good. So, uh... What time is it over there in Germany, dude? Uh, it is quarter till five in the evening. Okay. Looks like, looks like the Skype thing works about as good as the Obamacare website. Could you repeat that again? <laughs> So, so how, how's the church doing there, John? You know what? It's going good. We're, uh, things are going well. We had um, uh, one, uh, one lady give her, young lady give her heart to Christ today uh, during the service, and two others recommit their heart to Christ uh, just this morning. Praise God. That's what yes. it's all about, isn't it? Yes, sir, it is. Well, uh, one of the things, John, that I was wanting to ask you and that maybe you could answer to the congregation is, uh, what's, what's our role as the local church here in Blue Springs? What's our importance and relevance within missions, uh, especially to somebody like you who's working over in Germany? Well, honestly, uh, I would say um, the most important thing you can do is pray. Um, as you guys know, if it's with prayer that things happen. You invite God to get involved, and that makes the biggest difference. Um, and I wouldn't just say just not just for me, but for any missionaries, when you pray, just send them a note or a Facebook or something, letting them know that you're praying for them. That encouragement makes just a huge difference. Um, I would add, can I, can I throw out a few, a few ideas? Yeah, man. Okay, good. Um, I, I, like I said, first uh, and foremost is to pray, uh, Facebook and email are wonderful. You know, uh, Luke, when are you going to join Facebook? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah, what was, what was your next saving point? saving that for a while. <laughs> no, I, um, I, I would say uh, Facebook and email, just, just a contact, just letting them know, hey, listen, I'm praying for you today. It means the world to know that half a world away, that somebody knows what's going on in your world, and they're praying, and they're, they're uh, connecting to God for you, um, or with you, kind of pulling with you, if you will. Uh, third thing, of course, which missionaries are all supposed to say is to give. But uh, it, it really is the truth. Just like there in Blue Springs, um, you know, it takes, it takes money to preach the gospel, to be able to, to, to do outreaches and connect with people, to do church services and to, and to just the things you have to do. Uh, and so giving is a big deal. Uh, let me throw out another one, which my family, we call it, it's, it's like uh, we've had at times crisp, or, excuse me, care packages that come, and it's like Christmas around our house. The kids do the dance, you know. Uh, what did we get? What did we get? What did we get? And so, 
anything even as silly as you know peanut butter or or whatever it's just the fact that somebody's uh thinking of you and it makes such an amazing impact and such a big deal and so um i would say those things and of course you know going if you can finding a way uh to go it's not always as easy if it's just one person if you don't know the language but if you come as a group it really it enables us to give more bang to our buck does that make sense yeah yeah, that's awesome. Well, we definitely feel like you are a part of our body, John, and uh, we definitely want to keep those close ties with you. And we want all everybody there, at, you know, on the team at Watermark, as well as all the the uh, people in the congregation there, to know that we're linked up with you guys in prayer and in support. We love you guys, and please greet the church on behalf of all of us. If you guys want to wave at the camera back there in the back, say goodbye to John. <laughs> I see you. Thank you. I see that hand. <laughs> Hey. Bless you, John, man. I appreciate your time. I'll, I'll talk to you here in a little bit, okay? Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, John, John's a cool guy. He, uh, he's got a church over there in, in uh, Freiburg, Germany, and uh, some of you guys have even been over there. And like, like he was just saying, I mean, just this morning, a salvation and two rededications. Isn't that what it's all about? No matter how much it costs us within our missions program, no matter how much it costs us as a church, how can we put a price on just what took place this morning? If we were to bankroll everything that has taken place in missions from day one when this church was founded all the way up to this day, and we have that as the only credit, is it good enough? That's it. But yet we're able to, because of the God that we serve, we're able to see that time and time and time again. Isn't that awesome? And uh, it's, it's awesome to be a part of this. Where's, is Steve on the line yet? Well, Steve Muscarell is who we're hoping to have next. We'll see how that works out here in the next minute or two, see if the connection and down south rather than over the Atlantic is any better. But uh, Steve has been a great guy who has... uh, Steve! Hello, Luke. What's up, buddy? Oh, not much. Just uh, enjoying being in the congregation with you this morning. It's an honor to have you again, man. It's an honor to uh, have you, to call you my friend. The Bible says in Proverbs 26, most men will proclaim each his own goodness but who can find a faithful man? And that man is Luke Nettleton. <laughs> well, Steve, you've been a good friend to me for a long time, and I can't thank you enough. It's just an honor to be able to uh, be linked up with you when you're ministering in Mexico. And, and no matter where I'm at geographically, I always wish I was there with you right alongside, but I know that I am spiritually. <laughs> what happened? Sorry, uh, I wanted to see the Sam here. I'm kind of new oh, with hey, the uh, How are you? technology stuff. Hey, uh, Steve, what's up, dude? Hey. <laughs> and then I think Alicia is visiting with grandparents. We called her, but she'll get here in a second. Okay. Well, man, what's been going on with you? What's been going on in Mexico, dude? Well, we, uh, I just made a trip to Oaxaca this last weekend, and uh, I got to visit with, with some of our friends there, uh, our Mike brethren, and uh, I talked with 
uh, Valeriano, who's one of the leaders in the church there in the village we worked in. And uh, they're pretty much uh, stuck in the village because of mudslides and rainy season. And uh, he thanked us for the work that we had done there. And uh, it was really encouraging to talk with him because he said just almost uh, really emotionally that um, the church had grown. And he said, thank you for the teachings you gave us because once once you uh, went to the States this year, we realized we needed to get it together and we began to take what you taught us. And now the church has grown and there are new people that have come into the faith and they're, they're there. Amen. That's awesome. Spreading the gospel. That's what it's all about, isn't it, Steve? Amen. Well, uh, man, if I could ask you one question, uh, it would just be, can you tell us as a congregation, as a church, what's our role within missions? What's our role in, in partnering up with you and in, in world missions and foreign missions? That's a great question. Uh, ideally, I think the local church should be promoting missions, whether it's through praying, giving, sending, supporting in some way. And I think this is the pattern we see in, in the New Testament. In Acts chapter 13, 1 through 3, we see uh, here was a church in Antioch where people were active for the Lord. They were fasting and praying, and the Holy Spirit said, Set apart these for the work that I've called them to, and they were sent out. And uh, here I have to mention that Cornerstone is different than most churches that, that we're affiliated with. And what I mean by this is that as a family, we know that we're connected to Cornerstone. We've been blessed by receiving groups from Cornerstone that have helped us in, in church plants and evangelism, children's ministry, and practical acts of service, um, like building building teams, dental, me medical clinics. On, on the field, this causes people to ask us why these Americans have come to spend their time and money to come to our villages. And this gives us a chance to tell them that he has been forgiven much, loves much. And at the same time, it's our prayer that the Lord is going to raise up people there in, in Blue Springs that, that's gonna, that will serve him full-time in some capacity, whether it be there in Missouri or on the foreign field. Uh, but another trait of Cornerstone Missions that's been really important to our family is committed relationships. We're in contact with Pastor Luke on a regular basis, and uh, this accountability helps us to stay spiritually healthy and to better serve the Lord here in our field of service. We've got people in the church who regularly write to us, and they pray and intercede for us. And because of this level of commitment, we're grateful uh, to Cornerstone, and it, it spurs us on to love and good works. Amen, man. That, that's, that's awesome, man. You know, uh, I'm just blessed to, you know, to know you, you know, as a friend. I'm blessed to know you, too. Hey, uh, how are you guys? Alicia, hi. Hey, hi. <laughs> 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 well, we we really love you guys. You know, we're we're blessed blessed to be uh, friends, and it's good to to minister alongside you guys. It's good to to pray alongside you guys. And it's good to have fun and laugh beside you guys. I mean, that's we're all one big body within within uh, the kingdom of God, and and it's it's truly a blast. 
And um, you're a good man, Steve. I really appreciate you. You're a good man. You're a faithful man, Pastor Luke. Well, I appreciate you guys. I'll talk to you here in a little bit, Steve. Okay. God bless you. All right. Everybody wave back there in the back. Bye. Well, um, Steve really has been. I mean that, you know, he's been a great friend. Um, known Steve for a lot of years now, and he's truly busy about the work of the kingdom. And uh, every time I'm around him, I'm blessed. But I, it's neat to see how different giftings come together within the body. You know, because the giftings that, say, like John Perrin has over there in, in Germany are different than the giftings that Steve has down in Mexico, or Ron Wallachy, or... Uh, Julius over in, in Kenya, uh, or Bill Roop, or John Hawkins, or all these different guys. Uh, they're all different, but yet we can all come together with a common goal of spreading the gospel. And God uses all these different giftings, all these different anointings, all these different um, things that we can bring to the table that God's brought out within us and just revolutionize the world. But it, it, it happens because we're conscious of it. We've got to be conscious of the power of the gospel and put it to use on a daily basis, right? I mean, if we sit here and just say, well, it'll happen tomorrow, then what are we ever going to do? But we've got to make, make priority of the gospel and the things of the Lord. Because we've only got... We've only got one life to live, right? Something I was thinking about several weeks back and I wanted to kind of give this illustration of what, what eternity really is. And I, I, I pulled this piece of twine and uh, as kind of a representation of like a timeline. And if you can imagine, this point right here would be creation. This is where God made the world, Adam and Eve and all that, book of Genesis. And then all the rest of this orange right down and through here is everything that's happened all the way up until us. The timeline of just known history. And then this little spot right here, this little blue right here, that's our life. That's our generation. This is, this is a comparison with what has taken place from day one, from the beginning, creation, all the way up until present, and how long our life is in relevance to eternity. And then once we die, once we pass away, then there's eternity. <laughs> Don't worry, I've got another one. So we've got to be conscious of this, this right here, because it just keeps going. You know, and when I think about, oh, I didn't get my Starbucks today, am I going to be worried about that about right here? And then, you know, after a little, you know, a few more billion millennium, uh, you know, oh, man, you know what, I didn't get the car that I wanted. Am I going to worry about that right here? 
and then maybe some more time. Keeps on going. And then I think, oh, well, you remember that guy who was my next door neighbor that I was really meaning to pray with or pray for? Or say, you know what? There's a Jesus that I know. Am I going to worry about him or think or go looking for him in heaven? That's the time where it's going to count. All the way back, I go all the way back to this blue stripe, our, our, our life. We've got to realize that what we do in this life echoes all throughout eternity. And it just keeps going and keeps going and keeps going and keeps going and keeps going. Eternity is something that just never, never ends. We can't comprehend it with our physical minds. But yet, for some reason, God has created us to live in this world in order to spread the gospel, a gospel that first saved us, and that we are to look at now as being something that is so valuable, so important, the true gem that the Bible talks about, the gold that's so valuable that we find it in a field and we go buy the whole field just so we can get to it. We look at it as being so valuable that we lay down, I'm just not going to go to Starbucks, I'm going to pray with this other person instead. Or, you know what, I've, I've forgotten to pray for my missionaries today. It's time I stop what I'm doing and pray for my missionaries. Or, you know what, I'm going to be vocal about the one true God that changed my life. And I'm going to disciple my children. I'm going to disciple the, my friends and my neighbors. And I'm going to tell them about the one true God that does save souls, that does forgive all sins, that does cover everything because of the blood on the cross. And that's relevant. That's the only thing that's going to be relevant to this. What house I live in, where I live geographically, the comforts of life, isn't going to matter. I can't take it with me. But what is going to matter is the souls that God brings in my path. Starting with me, and then every person that comes in contact with me. Whether it be somebody I'm related to, somebody I go to church with, somebody I go to work with, my neighbor, somebody I'm standing in line with at the checkout. It's relevant. And that's the only thing that's going to be relevant to eternity. So we've got a big job to do, don't we? We've got a lot before us. But I wanted to show you guys where we're at right now so we can kind of gain some perspective on where we need to go. All right? So this is... I took and put together some pictures of just building, just church buildings that we've participated in as Cornerstone Church. If we just lay aside everything else, all the wells, all the generators, all the everything else that we've done, and we talk about just church buildings, this is, what it, this is where we're at. This one here is where it started. Everything for Cornerstone Church started at this building right here. Does anybody know the name of it? Usila. Pastor Tom knows because he sowed the seed back in 1986 or 7 or something like that. 
sowed the seed, and this is what started it all for the local body of Cornerstone Church. And then it's just spilled out ever since then. God's honored that. This is the church of Usila down in southern Mexico. This is the one that Pastor Walter talks about. He didn't want to get into church buildings or planting local churches or something like that, but he came up to Cornerstone Church to talk one day. Pastor Tom said, I'm going to give you some money to plant a church or to build a church. This is what the product of that is. And you know what? Those people are still meeting, worshiping God, I bet even today. People are getting saved there. From a $1,000 seed that was sown back in 1987. Then we move on. These are not in chronological order, but they're churches nonetheless. Huachinango, down in the mountains of Mexico. Many of you guys remember laying those blocks and pouring those columns. <laughs> wow. Big church down there. This is Haltepec, down in the mountains of Mexico. This one was a humbling experience. We had to put that roof on twice. Don't make. <laughs> this one here is Las Cañas, halfway up a mountain. Took us an hour, hour and a half to get there from, from a, a local town. This is a poor veneer. We came in a little bit after this picture was taken and built some more onto it down in the mountains of Mexico. Ixtaloya, way up the mountain. This was the furthest drive we ever had. I think it was about two and a half hours one way from where we were staying, up these really, really rough roads. And we were working on that church. Atoltenilco, this is northeast of Pachuca. You ever tried to lay a curved wall with bricks? Well, that's what we ended up doing. And there's where it finished up. People are meeting there this morning, praising God. Cuauhtémoc. This is uh, just a little bit outside of Tampico, Mexico. This is our first endeavor into a metal roof, as far as metal trusses, metal welding, and stuff like that. Great experience. Gregorio. Some of these we didn't even have to go to. You know, for whatever reason, we just sew into them. Las Cruyas. Las Margaritas. Las Norias. This one is uh, just north of, I'm sorry, just south of San Fernando area in the middle of the desert. We were laying block for a whole week there. Once we got done, the brethren in the church got together and put the roof on it. It's a partnership, isn't it? We all work together for the betterment of the glory of God. Mendez, still in Mexico. Paso de Real. Pepe Lucio in San Fernando. Another one in San Fernando. Another one in San Fernando, in the town of San Fernando. This one is Tulas, across the mountain range from Victoria and all that, towards the more the middle part of Mexico, up north. Literally, tumbleweeds flying around. You see the adobe brick style. I mean, it looked like Clint Eastwood should just ride up on a horse all of a sudden. <laughs> Victoria, big town right in, right in northern Mexico. Had a group down there. I think we did the roof on that one. This is some time later. That's the church there in white with the roof on it, completed. And there, this area that we're standing on is actually more additions for more stuff, more people to come in and meet and have classes continuing to expand. This was the groundbreaking at Laguna Madre, up against the, uh, the Caribbean, up against the uh, Gulf of Mexico in Mexico. That's after it's built. 
Pastor Sean went down there and taught a pastor's conference right there in that building that day. Great big one in Ciudad Valles, northern Mexico. Huge, huge church. This land was donated by the local government. That never happens. Never happens. And this massive church is now standing there as a result of it. Altamira. Pastor, we've done pastor's conferences down there several times. This is Apizaco. This is Bill and Debbie Roop's area, some of our missionaries. They planted this church back in the early 80s. I mean, I was a little bitty guy. They were some of the ones that actually came out to our house when I was little. And they're still there. Talk about longevity. I mean, they're staying put, and they're doing what God has called them to do. Most recently, they're expanding the church building. See all that concrete that's being poured? That's up on an upper deck, so they can continue building up and up. This is a job site down at El Barranco, north of Tampico. That's some of our guys' well, and that's what the inside of those churches look like with the metal roofs anyway. That's the, the group that we had down there for that one in El Barranco. This is uh, Agua de Castillas. Awesome church. My heart is in this church for some reason. The Lord just sewed that together for some reason. This was a job site, the first concrete roof we ever did. You talk about tiring. Oh, my gosh. Lifting buckets of mortar up there to the top to pour this. And it, we had to pour a concrete roof because it was so close to the ocean because of uh, typhoons or hurricanes or whatever coming in. That's the church some years later after it's already done. We had a youth group down there ministering in that in that village, we go back to them, continue to minister. That's another group that we had down. We did a, a women's conference there while some of the guys were doing a construction. And you notice the front of that building's different because we had to expand it. Too many people were getting saved. <laughs> so it kept building out and building out. You see what I'm saying? Cornerstones is, is, is helping with this stuff. This is a, a one called Tavo. Does anybody recognize Temple of the Alpha and the Omega? This one, Valentino San Fernando, up north. Narciso, I didn't have a picture of. This is the one that's going on right now. This is a new one up in Victoria. This is what it looks like now. But you know what? We're not done. We've, we've sent some finances down, and there's more finances on its way. And there's going to be people meeting in that church as well. So that takes us on over. We did one in Guatemala some years ago in the village of Guadalupe. We paid a guy to cut this wood out of trees with a chainsaw. Did a great job. They were heavy, though. It was probably two hours' drive or so into the jungle away from the nearest town. That's what it looked like when we got it done that week. And we had church service in it. This is Germany. John that we were just talking to a little bit ago over in Germany. This is Watermark. This is where it all started for him when the church plant first took off. They were in this particular building. Then they transitioned over to this building. This is where they were last year. This was a place called Kinder Galaxy that they were meeting in. It was a really neat facility. Currently today, this is where they're at right here. They moved because they can get into this building, and it's really close to uh, a tram station and other 
Public transit, it's very important over there. Not everybody has cars, and a lot of people ride bikes and then just take the public transit. It's very different than it is here in America. So they're right near one. They can just step right off the, the transit and go right into church. This is, in, this is a Faith Tabernacle down in Haiti. This is where I, I just was last week. Great big church. Sunday morning last Sunday, I was down there while you guys were here last Sunday. There's probably about 1,500 people there on Sunday morning. Started at 6 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> and you know, they were, done, they were continuing when I went to the airport. And they were going to continue for quite some time. And I mean, they just, they, they go on and on and on and on because they know the God that we serve. Something that was really cool I wanted to point out real quick. You see that sign right there? Radio service, radio source, 106.3. They've got a Christian radio station. They preach to people, pray worship, play worship music. You know that, that radio broadcast? They said that they get salvations almost every single day of people calling in. And that radio broadcast currently is throwing close to 300 miles away. From that, from that building right there? 300 miles with what they've got to work with. Uh, several years ago, I can't remember how many years now, it's been several, um, the Lord laid it upon our hearts as Cornerstone Church to buy them a generator. They have very irregular electricity in Haiti. So we, we thought we need to get them a generator. We didn't really know all the whys, the wheres and hows and what fors and all this kind of stuff, but for some reason the Lord laid that on the leadership's heart. Bought a very expensive generator, thousands of dollars, a permanent generator that sits there, not like one at Home Depot on wheels. <laughs> this is a heavy-duty deal, permanently hooked up there. They had it in place well before the, the, the uh, earthquake hit, and they were up and running all throughout the earthquake. They're broadcasting with that radio, the gospel, all throughout Haiti, as a result of a seed that was sown, or as a partial seed right out of this church, right out of your tithe money. Getting people saved, that's what the church looks like from the backside. That's how big it is. They had to expand this area over on the right since the, uh, since the, the earthquake. It's just growing so fast. And all this building over here to the left, they need more room, guys. They're packing it out. This is Africa. They're making bricks over there so they can build their churches. This is a church that we helped roof. I can't remember how to pronounce it. <laughs> Nambale. There's another one there in Kenya. This is, this is Julius. He's our missionary over there. And this is a building site called, called Kowale on East it's in East Africa, Kenya, on the western side, right near the Ugandan border. Chad Pennington and I went over there and hung out together and preached several times a day some years ago, and we went to this place, and there was a water well there, something that's unusual for the territory. People have to come for miles to get water. But there was a water well that we helped to, to put there as cornerstone. There was a little church there, and people just started coming out of the woodwork to get water, and all of a sudden, bam, they find the gospel. Chad Pennington and I came back, started telling the story of this to the leadership, and they said, well, we should maybe build a church there that's bigger than what they've got. So it became the Kuali Church building site. Behind that building is the little church that they'd been meeting in up to this point. This is the new building. Started in 2008, the biggest 
missions church endeavor that we have ever faced year to date. Very huge, very expensive. Started out laying those bricks, come back in, put a roof on it, started ironing up the windows, working out all the interior, pouring concrete floors in there, everything it takes to meet and to have church. Nice stage, and there they are when it's all finished up. This was just, these pictures were taken just like a week or two ago. They're going to have dedication service after the new year. But look what God has done. So we have a map here of the world just to kind of give you a little bit of a reference of what's been going on within Cornerstone Church just up to this point. Not talking about where we're going. Just where we've been so far. 28 churches in Mexico. Now, these are churches that we partner with. We don't own these churches. We don't go in and just say, if, 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 then you'll have it. But we're just saying, you're going to preach the gospel? All right, let's help you. 28 churches in Mexico. We helped with do one in Guatemala, helped to do that one in Haiti, put that big generator there so they could continue moving on. One in Germany. Got three in Kenya so far that we've helped out with. That's a total of 34 building projects up to this point. And, you know, that's just talking about only and solely church buildings. It's not talking about everything else, all the money that goes out towards missionary support, um, other odd things that pop up, vehicles. I mean, you name it. The, 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 the things that we face here at Cornerstone Church locally, same things that they face. Things that you face at home, medical bills, on and on and on, same things that they face. But that's where we are right now. But the, the point of me showing that is not to be like, oh, praise us, blah, blah, blah. It's one, look what God has done. And two, saying this is where we stand now, but I'm not, I'm not, I'm not done. I don't want to be, this ain't the end for us. God's got a greater future than anything that existed in our past. And so we've got places to go. We've got people to win to the Lord. We've got people to disciple. We've got a lot more to do. And let me, let me read this scripture to you. In Revelation, Jesus, you know, is, has appeared to, to John, and he's speaking to him in the first part of Revelation. And he's talking about these different churches and these different examples, and these different warnings. And the one that I'm wanting to read to you is the message to the church of, in Laodicea. It's in chapter 3, starting in verse 14. He says, To the angel of the church in Laodicea write, The Amen, the fruitful and the true witness, the beginning of creation of God, says this, I know your deeds, that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were hot or cold. So because you're lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. Because you say, I am rich and have become wealthy and have the need for nothing, and you do not know that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked, I advise for you to buy from me the gold refined by fire so that you may become rich, 
in white garments so that you may clothe yourself, and that the shame of your nakedness will not be revealed, and I salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. Those whom I love I reprove and discipline. Therefore be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him, and he with me. And he who overcomes, I will grant to him and sit down with him, me on my throne, as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Now, I don't read that as a rebuke. I read that as motivation. God isn't here with a big bat standing here in this service trying to smack us. But instead, he's, he's outside or you know, next to us saying, come on with me. Let's make something happen. Share what I've given you. That's what missions is all about. That's what outreach is all about. We've only got a little bit of time here. But for some reason, God has wanted us to be a part of this great calling of spreading the gospel. And it's up to us to be willing. And I'm not trying to sell you on, let's everybody just sell our stuff and move to Africa. That's not the point. Somebody may, may need to do that. I don't know. That's between you and God. But I know one thing. God has called us to minister the gospel. I don't care where you're at. He's called us to be represent, representatives of Him on this earth. So many times I've found myself in the past trying to just ride the fence, kind of be the Sunday Christian thing, kind of play in church. Well, it'll be okay because, you know, did my deal on Sunday. The rest of the week I don't need to worry about it. Don't need to worry about reading the Bible or sharing with this person or I don't need to worship in my car. It's okay. You know, I got it covered. But how long can we ride the fence, guys? I'm talking about a heart issue. I'm not talking about, not talking about what are you doing physically all the time. I'm talking about a heart issue. The heart issue drives it all. Where is the gospel in our lives? Is the gospel so real to us that we can just cap it up, put it on a shelf? Or is the gospel real enough to us that we just we can't contain it? Is the gospel that real to us? For some reason, God has placed us in a role where we are involved in this thing. God planned from the foundation of the world that we're to be here in this time. I have one more video I just want to show you guys real quick that kind of encapsulates the point. The mantra of the American dream is to advance yourself with hard work, ingenuity, innovation, you can have it all. The frightening reality of the gospel, Jesus does call us to give up everything we have. And he may tell any one of us to sell all of our possessions and give them to the poor. 
we don't believe this. If we form Jesus to look like us and be who we want him to be, then even when we gather together and sing our praises and lift our hands, the reality is we are not worshiping the Jesus of the Bible. We are worshiping and singing to ourselves. We have a master who demands radical obedience. A mission that warrants radical urgency. And we do not have time to waste our lives living out a Christian spin on the American dream. The most glorious reason you exist is for the proclamation of the glory of God to the ends of the earth. And it's more than having a nice life. It's about giving our lives and our families and our jobs for the proclamation of the glory of Christ to the ends of the earth. If we're going to live for the sake of 4.5 million lost people and thousands and thousands and thousands of kids who are dying every day, they don't have food on their table, then that means radical change in their lives and their families. Church, Church, we are plan A, and there is no plan B. How true is that when you think about it like we are plan A? There's no backup plan. There's nobody else that's going to fulfill the role that God has placed on your life. That God designed it for you to step into. And through whatever giftings, whatever gift mix, whatever anointings, spread the gospel whether it's through works of service, whether it's through becoming a missionary, whether it's through uh, giving, whether it's through all these different kinds of things, the reason is spreading the gospel. How true is that? And how true in our heart do we want to believe that? The one fact is, Hebrews says, it's appointed for every man to die once and then face judgment. I don't see any reincarnation stuff in that. I don't. Don't get mad at me. Just, you know, read it. But that's, that's the truth. We get one shot at this deal. And I'm not trying to, we don't need to go leave and go home and be like, oh, woe is me. I'm so sorry that I didn't do anything up to this point or blah, 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 or I've wasted time. That's not what it's about. That's not the God that we serve. The God that we serve says, well, I can redeem that time. I can make you more profitable. I can make you more successful now in this time because you're turning my eyes to me. And all of a sudden, bam, ministry happens. People are getting saved. That's the God that we serve. So don't think about how I've messed up up to this point, but let's think about where is God calling me right now today in this time? Where, where, where am I going? What am I to do? Who am I to be praying for in my prayer closet? Whatever your gifting is, how is that going to be used to spread the gospel? We've got to be conscious of that. The only thing we can take to heaven is our souls. The only thing we can take to heaven is our souls. So when we think about eternity, what do we need to be thinking about? I don't need to be thinking about what color my house is, you know, or any of that kind of stuff. I need to be thinking about what souls are supposed to be coming with me. What souls are supposed to be coming with me and where are they at? How can I spread the gospel to them? You know what I'm saying?
Now let me, let me just real quick be very clear about something. In Romans it says, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God, gift of God is eternal life. We ain't got to work for it. And I know that I'm, not, I'm just not going to pass this point up without giving anybody an opportunity. If you are not at a point yet in your life where you have given up control, I just want to give you this opportunity right now to let God come in and change your life and start all over. You have that opportunity. That's the God that we serve. Let me say this one thing. To, if there's anybody in here that has heard the gospel message time and time again, but you've just continued to not accept or not take it within your heart, I just want to warn you. Not mean or anything like that, but lovingly just say, don't let your heart become hardened. The more you hear it, the harder your heart may become and the easier it's going to be to keep on saying no. But that's not God's heart for you. God wants you to say yes and trust Him to take care of the rest. We ain't got to come to Him perfect. We ain't got to come to Him clean. The same gospel that's being presented right here is the same gospel that's being presented all throughout the world, all these different missions places. We serve a God that saves. And I want to give you that opportunity. Right now, if you're a Christian, I want you to be praying for anybody that's not saved right now. And if, if anybody here feels like you want to rededicate your life or you want to make this time where you just start all over and accept Jesus Christ in your life, I just want you to signal me. Just raise your hand. Wave at me or something. God's a good God. He's not going to come and try and hit us. The Bible says that He's a Father that if we ask for a piece of bread, He's not going to give us a stone. So let's pray real quick, and then Pastor Sean's going to come up. Heavenly Father, minister to these folks, Father God. And if you have that tugging in your heart, I want you to repeat after me. Lord, I accept you into my life. I accept you into my heart. I want you to change my life. Forgive me of my sins and help me to start new. I love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.